0: Alaska's newsmakers.
1: Action Line K I N Y. Listening to Action Line on another day of this winter storm. Joining me over the phone for both her safety and as well as mine is Representative Andy's story. Representative Story, how are you doing today?
0: Uh, I am doing well, thank you. I've got a cup of hot tea here and. Uh, it's incredible to look out and see all that snow
1: out there. It most definitely is. I know I uh, got my coffee and once I got into the station, and it's uh, it's been a little lonely at the station. A lot of our folks are working remote, but me, the morning crew gang, and our, our general manager all made it in okay. So we were just kind of like, yep, it's uh, it's one of those days where our job is very important. So definitely making sure we got in here to make sure folks know what's going on. Now, I've got a couple of questions for you, Representative Story. The first big one is obviously Sessions Back On. How's it been going for you so far?
0: It has been fast and furious. Uh, my favorite uh, topic, education, has been front and center, uh, as it should be. As we all know, funding's been flat for eight years and costs have increased and inflation has been high. and uh, our uh, schools across the state are even are under some dire circumstances. And so that bodes well for an increase inside the base student allocation, which we have been talking about for a long time, Jordan. Um, I was disappointed uh, that we did get to, our house coalition did work hard, and we were able to get convene in joint session to override the governor's veto of k twelve funding for this year for immediate funds for our schools, and we were very disappointed that it failed failed to override the governor. As you know, it's a high bar. We needed three quarters of the joint session, uh, which is Senate and House together, 45 out of 60 votes, and we were getting 33.
1: Yeah, I noticed that you only got a little over half of those votes now. And I also think a big thing to note about that was it wasn't along party lines either. You had folks on kind of every area kind of going both ways on that.
0: Uh, yes, Um, the Senate overwhelmingly voted in favor. Uh, I believe they had 15 out of their 20-member j- majority. But in the House, it was pretty much um, our House coalition that I belong to in support and our three uh rural members um, uh, voting with us so it failed uh, was so it failed significantly because we needed many in the House majority to vote with us and they did not uh, their rationale has been what they've been saying uh, is that well it's much better to have a permanent increase in the base student allocation and not these temporary one-time funds I agree wholeheartedly with that but they're dealing with two different issues. The issue before us on the override was to reinstate the monies that our both bodies promised to the districts last year, the 87 million in the one-time funds, which the governor vetoed. And then this was simply to just go back and tell the governor, yes, we really do want these funds in there. Um, but that did not happen. So those immediate funds will just stand at half of what they were meant to be. And then now we'll be working on the base in allocation Uh, So, I'm hoping that the votes, since they said they wanted to work on the permanent fund, um, in the BSA, the permanent funding. So, that's good. Right now, the one vehicle in front of us uh, that we've been working on early, Senate Bill 140, it has a space student allocation of $300 per student, which we know is woefully inadequate. Um, compared to the eight years of flat funding that we have been having. So uh, there's a number that uh, Anchorage School District, the Alaska Associations of School Boards, has been saying 1,413 is needed. Um, so we're working on getting a higher number for that. But there's many components in this uh, Senate Bill 140 um, bill that's before uh, Senate it was just before Senate rules on Saturday. Many of um, people spent all day Saturday involved with the rules committee who took over four hours of public testimony on this issue. In addition, they met a couple hours themselves taking amendments.
1: Gotcha. I think it was the the House rules committee. You said the Senate rules committee.
0: (laughs) Oh, did I? I'm sorry. Thank you for correcting me.
1: Yeah. I was going to say. I, but I, the
0: bill is a Senate bill. It's Senate Bill 140 that is in front of House rules. Yes. That is the vehicle. Yes.
1: Now, what I was going to say, I, I, when you mentioned that uh, 1,413, I'd seen that number thrown around a little bit. And from my understanding, that's the number given to account for inflation since about 2012. Is that correct?
0: Uh, that is correct.
1: Okay. And so I think it's interesting about it, because I did get a chance to observe some of that House Rules Committee on Saturday, is you had you had extensive public testimony from folks, and a lot of that was, you know, a lot of folks being like, hey, I'm in favor of the BSA. I know uh, our local mayor, Mayor Beth Weldon, expressed her support for an increase in the BSA, but then the, you know, what was in SB 140 isn't, it's not as high as what people were looking for.
0: It is very low. It is less than the money schools received last year. Remember, we gave them a $340 uh, in, increase, um, and this is th- uh, $340 per student. This is for $300 per student. Um, and so they're giving less. Of course, it will be permanent, but it is less money than we, they received last year, and inflation has gone up. You know this last year too so it is uh, really low and I'm confident there'll be a higher number uh, but again it's when we have been flat funding for something for so long um, and actually I think it's 2017 is um, to make up from 2017 what we've been saying about 2012 is if you took what the BSA is um, what we receive in today's dollars, it would be like the funding. It's worth like $4,000. $4,600 is what our BSA is buying. And so the buying power is so much, uh, much lower than, than is needed. That's the bottom line. Uh, we, um, and people are saying, well, investing you no know, money isn't, you know, going to, isn't a guarantee to improve outcomes, Uh, but I would say having smaller class sizes, that is a proven strategy, Uh, and of course, when you appropriate more money, one of your highest expenses is your personnel, and so certainly uh, that's important. We have passed the READS Act, targeted instruction, helping kids K-1-2 Three, to be reading at the end of grade level, what's needed for that is interventions. The READS Act, you know, says every child below grade level in reading should have a reading improvement plan, gets interventions inside of school, outside of the school day if needed, and provide these things. Um, More revenue is needed, and we know property insurance went up. We know heating's gone up. I mean, our costs are increasing. So it's at a point it has got to be addressed. What will the number be? That's what, uh, you know, we are following.
1: Gotcha. And I think part of the – you mentioned a lot of good points there, especially where it's like, you know, having those smaller class sizes plays a significant role, and having that funding plays a very significant role. You know, when you have – And this is me kind of reflecting on the experience as a student. When you have all the resources you need, it's more efficient for you not only as a student to learn, but for your faculty to be able to teach you what needs to be done in the most efficient manner.
0: Exactly. Uh, And I think it's really important that families can see that their child's unique needs are being met. And when teachers are attuned and have a reasonable class sizes, they know your child better. Your child is actually more motivated to go to school if they feel that they have a relationship with their teacher, uh, which is really important that kids, uh, you know, feel connected in their school. The other thing we worry about is those electives. When school boards have to make cuts, they're going to keep in the things that you need to graduate your reading, your math, your science. Um, the electives, uh, which often keep kids in school, those are the first to be cut because they're not required um, to graduate.
1: Gotcha. And, you know, in hearing that, you know, I was – I'll be honest, you know, I was a theater kid in school. That was sort of my realm. Having some of those arts things that I could do was a huge motivator for me. Because I to be frank, I didn't get along with a lot of my peers. They all had, you know, standard kind of high school issues that made me not want to be around them. And so having those outlets was a very important thing. And so I can I can agree with you in that, yes, there needs to be those electives. So it's concerning that those are always what gets cut very early on in that process.
0: Well, believe me, school boards do not want to do that. Families don't want to do that. And your experience in school is one that, you know, I hear from many adults, you know, when they reflect back. And oftentimes what saved them was making some connection in um, an electives class or in some club, that f- photography club or, <laughs> or you, know, you know, basketball uh, playing in the band, something like that. So those are very important for student engagement and motivation. And now we're really trying to work on making sure we've got, you know, our career tech options and to make sure that, you know, kids have a connection to, you know, mentorships outside of the school day in our local businesses. It's really been a push I know our, in Juneau, at Haynes and Skagway, our school, all of those schools, Gustavus, Cluck One, they want to make sure their kids um, are having some experiences that show them, hey, this is what I can do when I graduate. So it's really important. Education is an economic issue. I've said that many times. But one thing I did want to bring up, why Senate Bill 140 is, um, what has happened with this bill, is it started out... Of just uh, increase to um, internet services primarily for the rural schools, and so um, this would move them from 25 megabits to 100, and they get the uh, federal universal fees that come and help them, like our little fees we have on our cell phones, and so and then we have to pay a portion as the as the state, and so it increases from. Uh, twenty five megabits to hundred now Juno's already at that, but many of our rural areas are not, and so that is the the bill and then on this bill was in last session the one of the last days of session when it was before the House finance committee, what was inserted in there was an increase of in pupil transportation, which is great. we need one our um, costs are higher than what we have in in the provided. So then general fund dollars have to go to transportation. And then they also um, added into the bill uh, some other components. And so so that happened. And then when rules went to look at it again, several things were added in there. Just as recently as Saturday, a requirement to take civics class. And so every school district will have to have a civics class, which there's nothing wrong with good civics. Uh, We want active citizens. We want to understand that. But there's also a test component in that that says that uh, they will have to pass a test. uh, And uh, first of all, it's an unfunded mandate to all of a sudden say you have to have a civics class. Now, they can maybe change one of their government classes to a civics, but American government is required. Anyway, I don't want to get into the details, but I just want to say it's an unfunded mandate, and we've already had a high-stakes test. Uh, so you have to pass this test, get at least a 70%. You can take it as many times as you want. Um, gotcha. And you, there is an ex- But anyway, so there are some things that are put into this bill. Um, there's a...
1: We will, well, uh, so, let's get more in depth on the ahead. bill in the second half because we do have to move into our break. I'm sorry sure. to cut you off, representative sure. story, but uh, we'll get more into that when we get back from the break. You are listening to Action Line on KINY. You welcome back to Action Line on KNY. Joining me still over the phone, I have representative Andy's story. Now we spent a very good chunk of the first half talking a lot about the education funding and kind of the key components of SB 140. But So I wanted to let you kind of wrap up your thoughts on that, because I didn't up having to cut you off. And then I have a, one other big topic I wanted to hit with you.
0: Uh, sure, thank you. Uh, the point is many other education bills were added into uh, Senate Bill 140. Usually there is time, and there still is time at session, to address these bills, have them go through committee house finance, so people are concerned that there's not been, not been enough betting. Uh, the Senate um, majority is having a press conference today at one o'clock, and this will be one of the topics, and um, they have been, um, been very concerned about what's happening. So follow the point is to follow this bill, and uh, we will see where it goes from there, but it's very important.
1: Gotcha. Now, the other big topic that I want to hit with you, and we talked a little bit about it before the show, is concerns about some of the executive orders that the governor has done since session's begun, that you've been having some of your constituents call you about.
0: Uh, Yes, uh, at the beginning of session, the first day, actually, the governor put forward 13 executive orders to um, continue, discontinue some um, coalitions, councils, uh, that are currently in statute. And so what happens is those were assigned to different committees, And like two of the, I've been getting a lot of calls about the governor's recommendation, which he says is to provide for efficiencies um, in decision-making, is the Chilkat Bald Eagle Preserve Advisory Council and the Alaska Marine Operations Advisory Board. Both of those um, have changes. Uh, The Marine Operations Board uh, would still cease to exist. It just changes who can make appointments uh to the committee and moves them from uh the Senate to recommendations from Senate President to from the House Speaker to have them all appointed by the governor. And so um that is a concern uh to some people and then also the Chilkat Bald Eagle Preserve Advisory Council, that would know that would be coming under the governance of house resources. And so I've learned a lot of history about the Chilicat Bald Eagle Preserve Advisory Council, and that was um, set up in a bill, Uh, I can't remember exactly what year, but it was set up um, to go between, it was a a compromise agreement between local, federal, state, um, indigenous peoples to make sure the land was managed and protected, and so... um, it's really important for all those groups that they continue to have that council operating. So, um, when you're for these executive orders, they go to the House Resources Committee. They're assigned to different committees. The Chilcat Bald Eagle Preserve Advisory Council will go to House Resources, and the Alaska Marine Operations Board goes to the House Transportation Committee. They will review the executive order. They, it's with their prerogative to accept it or to um, disprove it. Then they will send a letter saying they're disproving it, and the House and the Senate will, join in, within 60 days, must meet together and by a simple majority um, vote to disapprove if they don't want to see the executive order enforced. And a committee could not even hear the executive order if that chair chose and if no action is taken within 60 days, the executive order um, is carried out. So of all those executive orders, my point is they'll all be looked at. Um, If you have comments about any of them, it's good to contact the committees that will be hearing them. If you're not sure what committees those are, if you have a particular order you're concerned about, please call our office, 465-3744. We are trying to get the committee members the information that we're hearing. And then, like I said, I expect to be in joint session on some of these. For sure, the Alaska Marine Operations Advisory Board, I've heard many people um, not happy with those changes and would like to keep it the way it is. And I know um, I've been hearing from a lot of people in Haines about the Chilkat Bald Eagle Council, mm -hmm. Preservation Council.
1: Right. The Marine Operations Board, that one strikes me very interestingly because I remember back when the governor first took office, there were cuts to the marine highway system. So to hear that now there's – with that executive order goes all the way through, that that would then mean everyone that would be in charge of that being the marine operations folks would be folks appointed by the governor does kind of – I can see where the concern there is coming from. To,
0: we want to have balance. Balance yeah. is very important. Uh, and different um, perspectives on the board, and usually people will appoint um, people with unique perspectives, and so we want to keep that balance.
1: Gotcha. Well, Representative Story, I'd like to thank you for taking the time uh, even to to call with me. I know originally if the weather wasn't like it was, you were going to be coming in, but we have to accommodate for the weather, so perfectly understandable having you call me over the phone, but thank you very much for taking the time to chat with me today.
0: Yes, and I just want to thank everybody who's been working so hard out there on keeping those roads clear and safe. And, um, yeah, we just have tremendous gratitude for everyone.
1: All righty. Well, on that, that'll wrap up the show. You've been listening to Action Line on KINY. And we're good. Thank you very much. Action Line. Weekday mornings. Action Line. If it happens in Southeast, you'll hear it on Action Line. KINY.